Hey everyone, namaste. My name is Avinash Anand Singh. Welcome to the podcast. This podcast we have interviewed Eric Huberman. He's a digital entrepreneur from US, runs a company called as Hawk Media, and in last 5 to 6 years he has built this company to 150 employees. The company was valued for 75 million US dollar. He's also a Forbes feature 30 to 30 and has got several awards to his credit. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast in which we talk about his journey, his habits, his rituals and what makes him succeed i hope you enjoy this do give us a feedback take care hello everyone namaste my name is avinash anand singh uh, welcome to the podcast episode of being iconic with avinash anand singh and today we have an amazing guest with us from us uh, we have mr eric huberman is a ceo of hawk media so social media come branding come marketing consulting firm it started this firm in 2014 2014 and it has now been valued at 75 million us dollar amazing feat uh, it has been uh, till now it has serviced around more than 2000 clients and which includes some of the major brands like red bull verizon and alibaba as well Uh, the company also got awarded as a fortune magazine 50 best workplaces and inc magazine 2020 list of fastest growing company it was named as the international business award entrepreneur in advertisement marketing and public relation also with long list of achievement and awards eric has got some of them have been forbes 30 in the 30 csq 40 in the 40 and inc magazine 25 marketing influencers so everyone welcome let's welcome eric to the show thank you for so much for joining in yeah no thank you for having me pleasure eric how how come you have been managed to achieve so much in such a short career i saw i expect i think you are at around some 30 years of now i'm what sorry you you age is around 30 as of now i'm 33 33 so in yeah. such a short career at least 33 people are figuring out what is their passion what is their uh, dream you have achieved it seems a lot of stuff so what is the secret of your success till now you know i don't know you know to me the being successful is just about going for it doing something you know how successful has to do with a lot of frankly luck and timing is how successful you end up being because you can't predict timing of the things right. you're creating but you go for it you keep trying you push things you have to only be smart enough hard working enough to make something happen and i do believe that so you know i just was fortunate enough to graduate college during a time it was the last financial crisis in 2008 and got forced to go build companies and try things because there were no jobs out there anyways so i didn't really have another option so i just kept trying things and building companies and sold a couple you know ended up stumbling upon this but you know it really had to do with You know I I wanted to work hard I wanted to be you know build something and then timed it right with something that people needed beautiful amazing amazing I think one of the most critical part is uh, I think what you rightly mentioned the financial crisis when you hit a roadblock like there's no job opportunity suddenly you're forced to create something right right you see something happening same in this corona time as well times we are in right now yeah I mean that's a perfect example is this is forced uh, you know I at least in the United States it's forced so many companies to go digital that were resisting it um and it's frankly companies that have been around forever that have been hanging on on retail and on brick and mortar uh were 
and didn't go digital are going bankrupt. And so it accelerated that, which means a lot of their competitors that are quicker to adapt, quicker to pivot, are going to be able to grab their market share and succeed a lot more. So if you were the one that was adapting, you know, with the times and trying to do something about it, you're probably doing pretty well right now, which is what we're seeing. I mean, the U.S. stock market's back to where it was before coronavirus. And, you know, we we're seeing a lot of success in e-commerce and in digital. And I'm even seeing success in gyms that went to virtual training and people that are just going, okay, well, let's take care of, like, take advantage of this digital stuff, which by the way, it's been around for decades now, yeah. but many, many companies have resisted leveraging it for their business and now they have to. And the companies that moved quickly on that are doing well, the ones that didn't aren't. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, Eric. Uh, so Eric, my, my work generally revolves around understanding the mindset of people, what make people drive and create the results that is, they create in their life. So if I maybe go a bit back to your childhood, as a, as a child growing up, what kind of uh, childhood you had, number one, and what kind of things which shaped your mindset, the kind of person you became today, uh, what, yeah. what happened in your childhood which possibly shaped your thinking, thought process, your mindset, some on yeah. those lines? So that, as my wife puts it, a charmed childhood. I had a very nice one. I grew up in a small town that was like very out of a movie, you know. My school that I grew up going to from first grade on was actually founded by an Indian philosopher named Jada Krishnamurti. Yeah. And, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so I went to his U.S. school. And so it felt like summer camp as a kid. And it was just, oh, it was a, a lot of fun. And I had a mom that always taught me to like lead with my heart and was very spiritual and very caring. And then I had a dad that's a pretty cutthroat businessman. So I had kind of the balance. And so my dad, you know, What kind of led me into entrepreneurship was when I was eight years old, I wanted an electric guitar. And my dad said, and I went to my dad, I'm like, I need an electric guitar. I'm going to be a guitarist. He goes, good, go get a job, get a guitar. I was eight years old. So I went and started selling lemonade and that didn't make enough money. So then I started buying and selling. I don't know if these were big in India, but Beanie Babies, which are these little like beanbag dolls that then they went crazy in the US and started being worth a ton of money and becoming collectibles. So I ended up making a lot of money as an eight and nine year old off these things and bought the guitar, bought a bicycle for myself, saved some money for a car later. So that was my first venture into entrepreneurship. Beautiful. So, so talking about Jiddu Krishnamurti, uh, did you resonate with the kind of philosophies he talked about and the ideas he talked about being in the school? Yeah, it, it was just, and frankly, you know, he had just passed away when I went to the school. So I never got to learn from him directly, but the teachers were, it was just, for lack of a better word, it was a lot of the BS in school was taken out of it. Like you didn't call your teacher, Mr. or Mrs. It was just their first name. We'd go hang out at our teacher's houses. We had a relationship with them. Just nothing was based on ego or pride. They, I'd say the biggest lesson that school teaches its students is to just be happy, whether it is you want to be a world beater and go, you know, be, you know, some big executive, three of the people out of my 40 person high school got Forbes 30 under 30. So it's, you know, they definitely graduate really impressive kids. And then plenty of kids that, you know, get out of school and either work at the school or take off and go live in another country on the beach and, you know, live day to day. It's whatever, you know, whatever you want to be, whatever makes you happy, they really push you to do. And that's kind of what you see across the board. There's not a lot of depression coming out of that school. It's it's people doing things that they want to do. And again, whether that's being highly successful and motivated or being hanging out and being you know around kids or whatever it is that makes you happy you're going to go do and they just give you a lot of comfort and confidence in that which was i think is really important 
So taking a clue from what you spoke about, what is your idea of happiness today? Like we see in the world, people are driven by all kinds of consumatory things and obviously money has a role to play and buying stuff and living a lifestyle has a role to play. What is your, what is Eric's idea of happiness? How do you find it? I don't think buying stuff makes anyone happy, just to be honest. I, I think it's like maybe a short-term dopamine hit where it's like, you know, you're excited about your new toy or whatever it is. But, you know, I've been around, you know, my dad, very successful. I've been around a lot of successful people. They don't, they're no happier than my friends that have nothing. It's not, it, that's not what drives happiness. Now, whatever drives you personally and could drive happiness. But I think everybody's different, honestly. And there's, and you have to be truthful to yourself. You know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I've spoken a lot about entrepreneurship. And what I can tell you is, you know, there's a whole side to it that most people aren't, don't want. Like when this coronavirus hit, a lot of my friends that have jobs are like, yeah, it's crazy. I just got to work from home. I'm working like half time because there's not a lot to do. I had to work harder than I've ever worked in my life to make sure that I didn't have to fire a bunch of people. I didn't make money during this whole pandemic. I lost money, meaning like I had to pay to work really hard is how that works out. And, uh, and so that's the downside of entrepreneurship that happens. I mean, it's part of it. And it, you know, it's, there's a cliche line that I think is very valid, which is, you know, work like most won't, so you can live like most can't. But I can say like, you know, I hit a threshold a long time ago where it's like, I can afford the dinners I want. I drive the car I want. I live in a decent place. Like I'm, I don't think more money is going to necessarily make me happier at this point. What does make me happy and why I like this is the challenge of building something bigger and bigger and growing something and, learning every day and trying new things like I really enjoy that and so that's why I do this Mm. it's not because I want to buy a yacht or a private jet and if that's what's motivating you I can tell you the moment you do it you're you're even if you get there it's still not going to make you happy like those they always say it's about the journey not the destination and I really believe that so the other side of that is there's no shame in having a job too you know I think that Plenty of people can go to work. You know, my stepdad said it to me when I was, when he was watching me first get really go down the entrepreneurial path is there's no, you know, know that when you get a job, you get to go home at night. Like if there's a problem in my business, I don't get to just go home. Like, well, I'll deal with it tomorrow. It doesn't happen. But if you're an employee, you get to check out and just, you know, finish your day, go home like that. There's a lot of peace in that. And so, you know, happiness from a career point of view, I think you have to really be true to yourself of what do you want? And then in general, it's, you got to figure out what makes you happy. But I think happiness is owned by the individual. No one, nothing outside makes you happy. So. Completely beautiful. That's an, that's an completely uh, very beautiful. And I think very uh, holistic perspective to look at things. Uh, Eric, if I go deeper in terms of, uh, I want to go a bit deeper inside your mind mindset. What were few of the beliefs which possibly has shaped whatever you have achieved till now? In terms of maybe challenge of building something, and I see your profile, built a couple of companies, sold them, and I see you started working very early. In fact, I was going through your LinkedIn kind of bio, and I saw you. You were always an achiever. You end up achieving a lot of quantifiable numbers wherever you worked. In fact, what are two or three critical belief sets, certain beliefs which possibly drives you to perform at the level you perform as of now? Yeah, I'd say one is. Just know that it all rides on you. Even if you, I've got over 150 employees now. They're all great. They, we don't really keep bad employees. They're great people. But 
I, I don't get to sit here and go, God, I wish they would do more. Like, oh, well, like it's at the end of the day, being the head of a company, you always have to be the one to push things through. You're going to be the one to push things harder. And that's your responsibility. And so you, that's never going to go away. Number two, uh, honestly, it's almost a why not me. It's nobody's that smart. So there's no reason why I can't solve it versus someone else. And I think that mindset's super important. Like I've worked with many, many billionaires. I've worked with tons of successful people. None of them are that impressive in the room. Like, they, don't get me wrong. There's some smart people out there, but most of the time, when you see someone that hyper successful, they just timed something really right, knew the right person, and it was you know there was a lot of luck involved. Now they were still the person that went and did it, but I've just realized that you know it's again the why not me is a big part of it. Entitlement that could be called, but it's it's definitely a big part of my theory. And um, I guess the last one is just enjoy it because you'll burn out if you don't. So make sure whatever you're doing, you're building it for long-term enjoyment. I, this is my thesis. I don't like the idea of building a company to flip it. I think nine times out of 10, you end up stuck with that company or it fails. And so I'd rather you know, assume that I'm going to keep the company for 30 years. And then if someone wants to come in and scoop it up, go for it. But you know, that's how I've built my company. And that includes my personal mental health and physical health and like making sure that I can sustain this. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So I'd say, yeah, those are three big driving factors of this. Amazing, amazing. Now, talk about mental health and physical health. Like, what are the, some of the critical habits do you practice or some rituals you have? Daily, what are those which possibly gives you that, uh, that discipline of uh, achieving results? Yeah, so for physical health, uh, especially now, I've been working out nonstop. So eating well, exercising every day, that's, you know, a big part of it. Um, so just keeping your actual physical health in shape, taking your vitamins, getting outside, exercising, all these things are, I think, super important. Uh, it contributes to mental health too. I notice I'm way sharper when I'm exercising and getting out. Um, and then on the mental health side, I think, you know, thankfully I'm pretty solid on the mental health side, just naturally, but when I need a break, I take it. When I, you know, when I feel like I'm burning out, I, I step out. You know, I, I find ways, again, to find the good in it. And I don't know, I, I, I over-communicate. I do things like, you know, I have a few organizations I'm a part of where we talk about the things we're going through. So, you know, I think that having people to talk to, having a good peer group around you, and knowing where when you're putting too much into it and se separating yourself from your company, because naturally and biologically, entrepreneurs attach their own life life and like they're, you know, sort of from an emotional standpoint, their life is attached to their company. So like when your company is being threatened, it feels like your life is being threatened just biologically. This has been proven through many studies. So a, a good example of this, I have a good friend that's a Navy SEAL and now runs a big company. And he talks about like when he was, you know, at war in Afghanistan and Iraq, nothing compares to the stress of what it goes through when his business is at risk, which is crazy to hear. Like a Navy SEAL that was in Af in, at war it says that was way easier than running a business. So knowing that, knowing that like it's, and again, it's not logical, but it is, it's just innate in there being able to take a deep breath, stepping out of the emotional side of your attachment and finding ways to cope with that. Because the big thing about running a business is there's always going to be a big problem. You're the owner. You're always going to be dealing with the biggest problems in the business. There's always going to be something to deal with. And if you attach your own personal, uh, your life to it, you're going to burn out. That's why you see high suicide rates in entrepreneurs and things like that. Like it gets difficult sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I think the line is so vague, people just cross and take the yeah. business failure success as their own success or failure. 
I think very exactly. point, uh, you pointed out. Perfect. Well, yeah, and it's and the problem is that it's not just success or failure in a business. It's like it, it feels like your entire life is banking on this from an emotional standpoint, from a psychological standpoint. And so, again, it's not logical, but it's just what happens. So being aware of that and understanding you're always going to have your life at risk because, like, every business is always at risk. Apple's dealing with trade wars and now coronavirus and now riots. Like, Apple's the biggest company in the world. They're dealing with stuff every day. Don't think that you're going to be different. So <laughs> Completely. Do you, do you struggle sometimes with procrastination and laziness? Is that... Sometimes I struggle for you also. No, um, it, honestly, like every once in a while, I'll push something off. But what I do, I, I have a really easy solve for myself that works that I started doing when I first started Hawk, and it's just worked. Which is everything I'm supposed to do, I email to myself, and I just got in the habit of wanting a zero inbox and constantly working through my emails. So if I have emails in there, it's because I have things that I need to do, and I end up doing it. I sit down, I look at my email, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to do that, go do it. So. Okay, okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, have you, in your journey till now, of especially building the entrepreneurship, the ventures, different ventures, have you come across sometime issue of fear, right? Uh, maybe an external, internal fear. Has you, have you faced ever such kind of situations? And how do you overcome the that fear? Or an internal fail, is that what you're saying? A fear, fear. Fear of maybe fear. failing in uh, business. Some kind of fear, yeah. possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. It happens constantly. You know, like, when the, I'd say the worst, you know, most stressful weekend of my life was this past March 13th weekend when I sent my whole company home because of the coronavirus, and then they locked down everything, and we're a very flexible month-to-month -month agency. So I didn't know so many unknowns happened that at that point. I didn't know if we were getting fired by every client the following week because the whole world was freezing. I didn't know if my people could handle working from home. I didn't have a plan on how you deal with this. Like nobody was ready for this. And I didn't know how long this was going to last. I didn't know if I had to like tighten up and be okay for two weeks, two months, two years, what, what the deal was going to be here. And so, yeah, there was a ton of fear of like, I thought I might be losing my business in a week. You know, we don't have, we're, we're still a fast growing company with no, we've not been funded. We have no outside funding. So we don't have, a, we didn't have a cash to just sit there and be like, Oh, don't worry about it. We've got a few, you know, we didn't have a year's worth of people's payroll. So trying to figure out what the plan would be and how we would handle that was a big part. So, so what, what was that, which helped you to possibly tackle those thoughts? How do you still be optimistic about the future? What is that thing which comes for you? Within you in fact? At that point, honestly, it wasn't about the future. It was about mitigating the, the downside, you know, and, and I think you need to go there sometimes. So, it was, you know, what ended up helping me get out of that was I created a plan for every scenario that I thought was possible, whether it was all my business failing, my people not doing their work, whatever it was, I just started laying out plans of like, how are we going to deal with all this? And what is the plan? And then I, and I basically had triggers for each one. So it was like, if we lose this much business, we're doing this. If we lose this much business, we're doing this. If we don't lose business, we can just do this. Like all those different plans I built in a few days and you know the best i could and then i basically committed like we i we were okay this was mid-march we were okay for march i knew that in march nothing devastating would happen so i didn't have to make any decisions yet right and i just basically said march 31st we're making a decision whether whatever that looks like for our business we're gonna have to make a decision on one of these plans and then we are lucky march 31st came <laughs> and we actually did okay in march we did fine we didn't decline at all so when i saw that i went okay now let's look at April. Like, what's the plan for April? And now we knew what was coming a little bit, 
So then I had actual data and knowledge that I was like, okay, we're still probably going to decline in April, but we should do this. And then we had a plan. So from there, it started, you know, we were okay. But the first weekend, and I learned a lot about it. It actually, this helped me in a great way with my business. Like it's kind of a blessing in disguise business-wise where it forced me now to have, you know, sort of contingency plans and things like that so that I know what to do in these situations. Because it was six and a half years before that of just up into the right growth. We had never not grown in a quarter. So, you know, not, we're probably, this is probably going to be the first, or I guess Q1, Q1 was the first quarter that we didn't grow quarter over quarter. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. What are one of, one or two of your, uh, you know, hacks which makes you, uh, you know, achieve a lot of productivity in your day-to-day life? Some of those hacks you follow possibly, possibly for yourself? Yeah, it's, it's really as simple as <clears throat> two things. One is the email thing that I mentioned. And two yeah. is I keep my calendar full. My calendar is always full. So it's like, I, it, it, even when I'm, oh, you know, if I wake up really motivated, I have a bunch to do. If I wake up and I'm not that motivated, I still got a bunch to do. <laughs> it just kind of forces me, you know, my whole team, you know, calls me the machine because I'm just always going. And it's like, it's not, I, I don't, I'm not special. Like, I, I think people need to get that out of the other head. I'm just like anyone else. I've just found a few tools, which again, I've showed some of my team, how, like, here's what my calendar looks like. You fill your calendar like this. It takes a little while to get used to the constant working, yes. but once you get used to it, you then it just it's powerful of course i've been doing this for years now so i have from you know basically 7 30 to 7 every day i have half hour meetings every half hour or something on there and then i have my email list that if a meeting runs short or cancels or whatever i have a whole bunch of other stuff to do and so i get a lot done every day so so, so, so how do you plan a day like do you uh, put the task to accomplish in the morning or like the business work possibly? Oh, or maybe I, I it's all it's ADD. It's it's I have meetings constantly because a big, big part of my job is talking yeah. to people, talking to clients, partners, being on podcasts, etc. And so uh, that's all scheduled. And then when some again things shift and change and cancel and like etc. So when that happens, that's when I go into my tasks, so to speak. Okay, perfect, perfect. Uh, like, what is the impact you want to make in this world? Like, if you talk about the future, do you have something in the mind like of impact which you to create for this world. Have you any thoughts on those areas as of now? Sorry, I missed that. that uh, one I'm saying, uh, what is the kind of impact which you want to create for this world? In the future, yes, down the line, possibly? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is just, uh, you know, it, it's become as narrow, honestly, as like, I, we know how to do great marketing, and we've really figured this out. And so how can we help every entrepreneur, every company get access to great marketing? And because that's been a pain point that I dealt with running my own businesses, that's something that I want to bring to the world. And that's what we keep trying to do. And we've, even through this, we've done a ton, ton of free work. We've done a ton of webinars and discussions and free information to try to just bring access to that. And then, you know, the, the follow on to that is helping them and actually working for companies and helping companies build out their marketing. We're managing marketing for over 500 brands right now. Amazing. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What is the one favorite book, Eric? What is one favorite book which possibly has influenced your life a lot? Yeah, it's a book I read right out of college, right as the world was collapsing the last time, uh, called Appetite for Self-Destruction by Steve Knopper. He's a Rolling Stones author for like, or a journalist for like 25 years before that book. And it was just about the music industry in the United States and how it constantly doesn't adapt with change and ends up like the people all end up broke and screwing themselves. Like when it was transitioning from records to, you know, CDs and CDs to, you know, and 
where they always bet on the wrong thing. They always end up like iTunes. How did Apple create iTunes and not the record labels? You know, it's like Napster was already around, but they fought Napster. And like, it's like, they've just never gotten it right. And it was just a really eye-opening book uh, about like how you have to constantly be ready to adapt and pivot and not rest on your laurels when you're doing things. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. One of your favorite quotes, any quote which inspired you a lot? You broke state- up a bit. My favorite what? Quote, quote or statement quote. from someone. Um, yeah. What is one of my favorite quotes? Uh, I, I don't really, I, I mean, I, I quote, different quotes resonate different times. Yeah. Um, my, my own quote when I graduated college, which is very much stuck with me, is I'd rather regret what I did than regret what I didn't. Just meaning like, I'd rather try something and regret it than just never do it at all. And that's been, that's still a big driving factor for me. I like trying everything, doing everything, you know, whether it's with travel, hobbies, work, et cetera. Like, let's try it. If it doesn't work, but not do it again. But I'd rather regret trying something than regret never doing it. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Which is who is one of your favorite uh, business leader? Like business leader, possibly a leader in the politics in life, possibly anybody who inspires you. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Richard Branson. I think it's someone that you know built some amazing companies, but had a blast doing it. Like, I think you need to have fun along the way, and that guy has nailed that. Like, he's enjoyed life to the fullest, but made some very successful companies. So that that's yeah. been a guy I've always admired from that mindset. Okay. If you get to meet Richard, what is one question you want to ask him? Like if you get to have some time with Richard oh, Branson. I have. I've had time with him. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think, what did I ask him? Uh, I know he, we talked a little bit about like which is more important, the fun or the success, and just the fact that it went hand in hand and that he has fun doing the things he does. And like the way he's built his business is, a, is really impressive. I mean, he basically finds an industry he wants to get into because it sounds fun and then finds the COO of the best company and makes him CEO and, you know, steps him up a notch and then builds something. And he's built a brand for himself where he can poach those people. Like I'm pretty sure Virgin America was built by the COO of United with him. So it's things like that, that I think he's just, he's a built a brilliant model. That's very, that's not that complicated that allows him to build these ridiculous companies that have done well. So yeah, yeah it, it was how, how basically. <laughs> yeah, okay, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, like if you can turn the clock, uh, what would be a couple of advice which you want to give your in yourself? Yeah, it's advice I already got, but it, because it came from other people, but the advice is just swing the bat, just keep trying. You know, like if you, you're bound to hit something at one point, swing the bat from us, baseball metaphor, but it's just you keep swinging and balls keep flying at you you're going to hit something. So just keep trying, keep pushing in terms of building companies and know that like, you know, stuff that I assumed early is what came true, thankfully, which is like, if I keep going at this, at some point, I'm going to be successful, some level, like something's going to land, some business is going to land and I'm going to be okay. So I kept going for it. Okay, beautiful. Uh, If you have, say, one week left now, suppose you have only one week left for you in this earth, how would you spend this week for you? Oof. Uh, that's, a, that's a broad question. That's a, that's a tough one. I, I'd probably just try to see, spend time with everyone in my life that I love. I'd spend time with my wife, my family, my close friends, doing fun things, hanging out. I'm a social guy. I like the people around me. So right. that would probably be, I'd spend time with people. I, I don't think I would be 
I don't think I'd be traveling. I don't think I'd be doing anything too crazy or I definitely wouldn't want to do anything alone. I'd want to be spending time with people. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I think if somebody's listening to you right now who is possibly just out of college trying to build something, what would be your advice to them as of now? A couple of things yeah. to be make sure that you actually are the person to build your company. Like you have to have a unique advantage or it's going to be a big struggle. Like, you know, you, you have to be placed. And so coming out of college and starting a company is really, really, really hard because you probably haven't built the skill sets or the network to get it done. And don't get me wrong. There are people that are that good that do get it done. And there's things that are timed that well, but if you're building just another company, which is fine, like you want to build a fashion company, like you're not going to, you're not disrupting the entire world. You're just building a really cool company. That's fine. But just know what you're up against. People that have been doing this for 20 years that have every connection in the world to beat you. And it is a competitive landscape. So generally, unless you stumble into something, I went into entrepreneurship right away because there were no jobs. But yeah. the, the, I think the best thing to do is honestly work for other people, learn on their dime, whether that's during high school, during college or after. And then at some point when you've developed enough skills to build your own thing, then do it and connections and all the things you need for that. But you need to be able to build your company. Cause I see t- we have a venture fund too. Tons of young entrepreneurs approach us to raise money because they don't have the, their skill sets themselves to build their company. That doesn't work well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you see networking as a, as a possibly a process in terms of building something, a business? Do you see networking is a very important skill to have. Yeah. I mean, it, network is everything like it, in, by the way, it's not networking like standing around getting business cards. You actually have to build relationships and get to know people and they have to like you. Like it's not, you know, people, I, I see people use the buzzword networking as like show up at an event with a bunch of other people trying yeah. to network, exchange business cards and stay in touch. And it's like, no, you have to have intention. You have to have, uh, you have to be likable. You have to actually have something to offer, some value to offer. It's not just get a card and stay in contact and have a coffee. That's not networking. You know, a lot of times uh, I come across this question a lot. People say, okay, now we have met people. How do you build that relationship? What is that you do to build that relationship? Is it like call them up, possibly go and meet them? What is your secret of building a relationship? Provide value. Figure out what the person needs and try to help them. It's, it, it, I mean, yeah. it, it is that simple. Like if you, it, it, you have to find a way to provide value for people before you expect them to provide value for you. Like that's, no. and sometimes you'll get someone that feels the same way and they'll give you something before you do too. Like it goes both ways, but if you can mo- do that, you know, I constantly give people free marketing advice. I, you know, try to help them with connections, introduce them. Now I'm really well networked. So I try to connect a lot of people and then they do the same thing for me. And it, you know, it becomes sort of a walled garden where it's like, I've built such a good network of people that I've helped and they've helped me that like we're constantly benefiting each other it's really hard for my competitors to keep up. Okay, beautiful. Uh, Eric, what is one uh, platform you see which is going to possibly dominate the market in the next few years on digital media side? What is one platform you see which is going to be heavy on? Uh, I think TikTok. I think TikTok's going to be really powerful for a while because it, it has some of the same experiences as Facebook or Instagram in terms of it's very passive. Like you can just watch and scroll, uh, which is a perfect aspect, uh, avenue for advertisers. If you're just bored and scrolling, that's when we want to advertise to you. Right. And so they're going to start making a lot of money. And I think that's going to, they're going to be able to do a lot. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. It has been great, uh, you know, uh, have been understanding you, your mindset, the way you have built up stuff. If one message, if suppose the world is listening to you right now, entire world, and one message you want to communicate to people right now, what would be that one single message? 
go for it, get shit done. That's, that's, a, that's our marching orders. It's just, you know, I think the different, the big message is the difference between a successful person and unsuccessful person is someone that just went for it and did it. And it's, I'm not saying stop planning, stop talking about it, stop thinking about it, like do something and get things done and move the ball forward. And if you want to build a company every day, complete a task or complete parts of it so that you can move it forward. And you will realize that at some point, if you keep that mindset and keep doing things, you will end up with something that is a some level of success. And that is the difference. How successful, again, has to do with some luck, but successful or not, I've seen has to do with just doing it, doing the work. Yeah, completely, absolutely, absolutely. Which is the platform for people to maybe reach out to you, connect you, the best platform or the most you're active on? I'm pretty active on them all. So on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Eric Huberman, slasher at Eric Huberman. Very easy. Do, we get to, do we get to see any books coming from you in recent future? Yeah, we're working on one right now. So hopefully, you know, end of the year timing is what we're okay. actually have it published would be the hope. Beautiful. Eric, it has been a pleasure to interview you. I really love uh, seeing your genuine and very authentic grounded answers. And it's a pleasure to get this opportunity. I hope to again touch base with you sometime in future when possibly you have made some uh, covered more ground in terms of work and business and possibly when we have moved a bit uh, in the work as well. So Eric, thank you so much for joining in. It is yeah, a pleasure and God bless you. Wish you all the best for your future, for your work as well. You too. Thank you very much. Let's take care. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you got some value. I request you do subscribe and share in your network. And I'll really appreciate if you can follow us on different social media platforms. You can find me with the name Avinash Anand Singh. Goodbye, take care, God bless and be iconic.